Hello, this is Patty Scalzo, welcoming you to Shia Jashub, the Bible study program brought to you by the Fellowship of Shia Jashub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut. Today, my husband, Pastor Greg Scalzo, and I will be continuing our discussion of heavenly authority. In our last program, we studied the personal call of God on the life of the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And we said that in our study on authority, we wanted to make two critical distinctions. The first was the distinction between the individual who is in a direct personal relationship with God versus his descendants who might come under the blessings given the originator. And the second, which is related to the first, is the distinction between authority, which comes from a special and personal call of God on an individual's life, versus that which is derived by and from a regulated institution or lineage or organization. And obviously with Isaac and Jacob, the son and grandson of Abraham, we see the lineal relationship at work as the blessing given to Abraham was applied by God to them. And yet both Isaac and Jacob entered as individuals into their own personal relationship with God just as Abraham had done. And the same is true of Joseph, Jacob's son, the account of whose life ends the book of Genesis. He was the man of dreams, anointed by God to be a leader among his brothers and among the peoples in Egypt. He was the one who understood that all interpretations must come from God. Joseph's brothers also were the offspring of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and benefited from their blessings. But unlike his brothers, Joseph at an early age demonstrated the innocence and faith of an individual who knew and followed his God, even as his grandfather Abraham before him. And God set him above his brothers. And Patty, maybe we should also mention at this point in our study another man who lived either around the time of Abraham or possibly even earlier. He is someone of great importance in the Bible and his name is Job. He lived over in the land of Uz and was not of the lineage or promises of Abraham and the Hebrews. Yet Job was a blameless man whose exemplary life and faith makes any mention of nationality or lineage irrelevant to the scriptural account. When God says to Satan in Job chapter 1 verse 8, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. His credentials for being the center of this historic confrontation had nothing to do with who his ancestors were or what group or institution he belonged to, but rather it was based on a singular life. And Patty, as we go through the Old Testament, the Hebrew lineage from Abraham is obviously extremely important. And yet the focus continuously is placed on individuals who were called and anointed by God and who demonstrated the faith and obedience of Abraham, even when many times the nation and their kinsmen around them did not. This is one of the reasons why the Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 9 verses 6 to 8, For they are not all Israel who are of Israel nor are they all children because they are the seed of Abraham. But in Isaac your seed shall be called. That is, those who are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, 
but the children of the promise are counted as the seed. And the faith of Abraham was not to believe in himself and his own abilities and his own righteousness, but rather to believe with all his heart in what only God could do. He trusted in the promises of God, and that promise included a son of miraculous birth, Isaac, to an old couple whose bodies were as good as dead. Romans 4:21 and 22 states that Abraham was fully convinced that what God had promised he was also able to perform. He knew his God. And because Abraham believed God, it was accounted to him or credited to him for righteousness. And his true children are those who have a like faith and personal trust in the Lord. And so they are not all Israel who are Israel. Don't misunderstand, though. The blessings we read last week, which God gave to Abraham, surely did reach down to all his physical children, the Israelites. Through Abraham, God was forming a special ethnic people and nation. Remember, God told him in Genesis chapter 12, verse 2, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And in Genesis chapter 13, verses 14 to 15, we read, And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, Lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which you see I give to you and your descendants forever. In the scriptures, we see that there are spiritual laws of blessing and cursing that impact on the lives of our offspring much like there are physical laws which God has established. And, Patty, these laws are often hard for our minds to fully understand. We read in Exodus chapter 20, verse 5 and 6, as part of the second commandment, For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. So, Greg, our sins and their punishments are passed on to our children as are the mercies and blessings we receive? That's what the Bible teaches, at least in the natural. And by the natural, I mean the way things are apart from the miraculous intervention of the saving grace of Jesus. And these spiritual laws are understandable just by the nature of things. Apart from the miraculous, a child growing up in an alcoholic home, for example, has two strikes against them automatically. The curse of alcoholism is likely to affect that poor child's life. In the same way, a child growing up in an ungodly home with no religious teaching is prey for all types of unclean teachings and peer pressures. So much suffering can come down to children because of the sins of their parents, just by the nature of things. And in truth, in every family there are iniquities that are visited on the children, just as there may be blessings. Greg, why do you think God established these spiritual laws? Well, in the case of Abraham's descendants, we see God using the blessing to carve out or establish a nation through whom the Word of God, the Scriptures, would be carried and the Messiah would come. Jesus said in John 4.22 to the Samaritan woman at the well, you worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. 
But in each person's case, I believe God established these principles to remind us of the great responsibility we have for our actions. Even if we don't care for ourselves, it should spark that innate concern for our children, knowing that what we do will ultimately affect them. It is a grave thing to see a person's single sin in one generation blossom with each successive generation in a family to a logical but terrible conclusion, or to see someone trapped in spiritual or physical circumstances because of wrong actions their parents or grandparents or maybe great-grandparents took. And, Patty, the law of blessings can sometimes reveal the sin of pride in the hearts of men. People always think that their own family or lineage or ethnic group is somehow superior to all others. This is fallen human nature. And when this is felt because of some blessing God has given, that blessing is destined to become a curse. Consider Abraham, who we just saw was not a prideful man, but rather against all hope in hope, believed in what God was able to perform. His faith in God meant blessings for the Israelite people. They were now the sons of God to whom the word of God came, and they were given great authority as a nation. Of Judah, it is said in Zechariah 10.4, that from him comes every ruler. But by Jesus' day, the leadership, especially the religious leaders, had great self-pride in their inheritance. They saw that their people were not like those pagans with their abominable practices. And this gave them the sense of being better, of being righteous in their own eyes, though they themselves in their hearts were also prisoners of sin. They forgot the faith and humility of Abraham, and when they came to John the Baptist to be baptized, it was not for repentance, but rather to show just how superior they were. John said to them, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance, and do not think to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And in Matthew chapter 8, verse 11 to 12, Jesus taught, And I say to you that many will come from east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And this brings us to our next important point in the authority series. And it is this. When a position of authority comes from an external or inherited blessing, the person who inherits that position must be certain to stand in the same faith as the originator. Otherwise, he will personally lose that position. Although we'll see next week that the promise itself can still pass on. That's right. Greg, when we honestly step back and look at the wrongs done in every family and lineage and all the possible sins and punishments that can be visited or carried down, it is a humbling thing. The good news, Patty, is that under the new covenant, the new contract, the curses can be broken. In Lamentations 5, verse 7, the cry was, Our fathers sinned and are no more, but we bear their iniquities. But in Ezekiel chapter 18 and Jeremiah chapter 31, a new day is prophesied. Ezekiel 18 verses 1 to 4 and verse 20 says, The word of the Lord came to me again, saying, 
What do you mean when you use this proverb concerning the land of Israel, saying, The fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge? As I live, says the Lord God, you shall no longer use this proverb in Israel. Behold, all souls are mine. The soul of the father, as well as the soul of the son, is mine. The soul who sins shall die. The soul who sins shall die. The son shall not bear the guilt of the father, nor the father bear the guilt of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. And Jeremiah chapter 31 verses 29 to 32 says, In those days that shall say no more, the fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge. But everyone shall die for his own iniquity. Every man who eats the sour grapes, his teeth shall be set on edge. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. No longer will the iniquities of the fathers be visited on the children to the third and fourth generation, as in the contract on Sinai. But now each could stand as an individual before the Lord, freed by the new covenant in the blood of Jesus from the curse of the generations, free to be what God meant us to be with his resurrection life resident inside of us. With the faith of Abraham, we believe in the miraculous promised son, the Messiah, and it is accounted to us for righteousness. If you have any questions, please write to us at Shir Jashub Christian Tabernacle, Post Office Box 518, Branford, Connecticut 06405. May our Lord Jesus richly bless you as you serve Him.